On this episode, we're talking about gaining clarity surrounding the type of church you want to build. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City and the founder of Telio, a care and formation ministry for pastors. And my name is Tyler Dravitz. I'm the executive pastor at Ridgeline Church and also the president of MyXP, a ministry where we provide remote executive pastor support for churches around the country. So last week we started a new series yeah. um, uh, talking about this season where we're in, where uh, Lord willing, we're all beginning to see the light at the end of the COVID tunnel. Mm-hmm. And uh, begin to think are about. Are we? I I choose to believe yes, yeah. we are. Probably not by December thirty first. Just I want to reiterate that for you. Have you noticed that the election's over? Uh huh. And, and there's COVID's still COVID still here. Weird, right? Huh. Yeah. It it isn't mm. a complete made up hoax. Mm. Um, it's taken everything inside of me to not say that on social media about a thousand times. Okay. So, so did I just ruin it? A little bit, yeah. Okay. But I don't. Oh, I still don't know who listens to this, so oh, I'm yeah. sure it'll be fine. Few, few. So, um, you know, regardless of whether or not some churches have gone back to regathering or like us, we regathered and then shut down again, and we're just <laughs> yeah. snip-snapping uh, back and forth <laughs> all over the place. That's an office reference. Yeah, yeah. I knew you'd appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, or, uh, but regardless, Lord willing, inside of let's say probably the next six months, mm-hmm. we're going to begin to see hopefully some semblance of return to normality, meaning yeah. we're going to be gathering again. Normal, isn't it normalcy? Is it normality? Um, I don't know. Maybe well, it's both. Yeah, we don't be. have a fact check on this, but we <laughs> will. Uh, we'll find out and get back to you. That's right. Um, so. That just completely derailed my train of thought. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. So we're yeah. talking about in the how to not waste this time that we have. Yeah. So the vast majority of people who listen to this are people who are ministry leaders. Yeah. Lead pastors, maybe executive pastors, associate pastors, where some you're already in ministry. Yep. And you are leading and building some kind of church or aspire to do so. And so the question that we've been wrestling with is how do we take this time to reflect on what we've been doing, yep. like what our churches have looked like, what, sure. the, what our programming has consisted of, what our vision is, yep. what our culture is, and how do we begin to sift through and ask this question as we look at all that, and is this the church I actually want to give my life to lead? Yeah. Because I think when I think some people have maybe never even thought about that. Sure. They're just kind of like maybe just... Went to to seminary and jumped into a church and have never even really thought about whether or not you like what it is that you're leading. Yeah. And we think it's really important to take the opportunity to do that. So again, if you did not listen to week one, we're not going to rehash all that. We're not talking about dreaming up your own non-biblical type of cult. Sure. Um, We're talking about um, looking at how with the personality and the gifts that God's given you, the passions that's got, that God has given you, how do you, within the biblical framework, build an expression of the church that you actually want to be a part of? Absolutely. And so we're talking about this in the sense of rebuilding. So if you didn't listen to week one, go back and listen to that. But uh, our topic, again, is rebuilding the church you actually want to go to. And that topic is based on an assumption. And that assumption is that you actually know what type of church 
you want to build and be a part of. You know what they say about assumption Yeah, Yes, I do. I okay. f- feel like you already made your COVID joke about how it's still here post-election. Yeah. Maybe don't offend more people okay. by also your really tired assumption joke. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. So, but there is this assumption that if you were asked, like, if, if, you're, if the church could be exactly what you wanted to be, that you would have a very clear, concise answer to that. This sure. is exactly what I wanted to be. Yep. My question to people listening would be, do you? Yeah. Because I think that there are a lot of, there are more people than not who don't really have a clear vision for the type of church that they actually want to lead and be a part of. Yep. They're just kind of doing what they've seen done or any, any number of things. Yeah. And so uh, I thought it'd be good if we started by talking about some of the, I think, most common uh, longings that drive the types of churches that we build, mm-hmm. and then to be able to contrast them and to really think about, like, are these what should be driving us? Because yeah. I think these, these are unhealthy drivers for the yeah. most part. So we're going to talk about a few things, few longings that drive what we build. The first one I would say is, and I think this is real common, is a longing to be someone else. Okay. Um, I think everybody, we have people in ministry that we really admire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry Osborne. Larry Osborne. Yep. Go back week one. He's, yep. he's the, the foundation behind the vast majority of the, the premise that we're talking about in this series. Yep. So we have people that we admire in ministry. Mm-hmm. I've also had a ton of people that I've admired in ministry that have like fallen morally and you can really pick them. I really pick disappointing heroes. <laughs> That's like, a year of therapy has helped me learn. I pick really disappointing heroes. Well, I've decided I have no more heroes. That's, yeah, that's only Marvel heroes. Okay. Only ones that are not real, that yep. are purely fictional. No real life heroes. Sure. That's my new life strategy. I like it. Um, but I also know that within my heart, especially in the past, it's less and less true the older I get. But the younger I was, the more I really longed to be someone else. Sure. Like there were seasons where... I wanted to be, I mean, you pick your megachurch celebrity pastor. Sure. And there was something in almost all of them that I did admire and really long to be like. And that can, and I I think at times in my own life, I took that to a degree where I sought to emulate things that were not real, that were who that person was, not really who I was, and then applied that in the church as well. Yeah. And I think um, it's not always the worst thing in the world to, you know, have some people that you look up to and like kind of like sort through like, all right, so they're doing this well or that well or that like as a starting point, I think that that can be super helpful. It's when you decide I'm going to like clone what this person is doing because then you also have the expectation on the exact same results. You have Mm -hmm. the expectation and regardless of who you are, or how you're wired, even if you do everything the exact same way, mm-hmm. um, it's not going to glean the same results. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I think a great example of this is uh, in the first church that we planted, uh, we had been invited by an existing church that was in steady decline for a number of years yeah. to come in. And basically, they had told us that they were going to like hand over their building and, and that kind of thing. And so Not it was basically, that's exactly yeah. what, what well, they yes. said. Well, yes. Yeah, that's what the they said. The pastor said, I want to give you my building. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was on the way towards retirement and all of that. And so we were there for about a year. Uh, and over the course of the year, there were a lot of things that we did, a lot of things. And little did we know, uh, through that time, everything we were doing was being watched. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, even laughable things, things, uh, the way we did coffee and the way mm-hmm. we did signage and the way we did 
all sorts of different things. Our super cutting edge Ikea lamps that we had on the stage. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes. And so um, that, uh, as you can imagine, that whole situation fell apart for a number of reasons. But what was interesting was we had left and then uh, different members of our team had to go back. I know I had to go back to like get something. We had taken everything with us. And what was so interesting was in the year that we were there, we had almost doubled in size. I think they had seen that and had decided that it was uh, largely pragmatic, just like, so if we do the same types of things, we're going to get the same results. And so they had literally purchased the exact same coffee pots, the exact same coffee bar, mm -hmm. the Ikea lamps, mm -hmm. the same signage, the same everything, like a TV on the back. Well, I mean, yeah. basically had replicated what we had done, but as they found that did not, uh, get the kind of end result that they looked for. And unfortunately, uh, that church has now closed. Yeah. Um, you're, you're kind of leaning into this, this second longing. Um, Ooh, so thanks for skipping over my last one as I if it didn't even I feel exist. Like this was the first one. No, no it's okay. not. All right. Well, but I do, but I, well, I want to talk about that because yeah. I think that's a really a, excellent example. But, but again, I think it's, it's definitely problematic when you try to be someone that you're not yeah. right. So it's, I think admiring someone is great. Idolizing them is a problem. There's right. like all kinds of verses about idolatry being a bad thing. Yeah. So don't worship anyone. And don't have human heroes, only Marvel ones. Right, right. I think we established that. But the second longing is this desire to be big. Which in your so your example is good. So this church watched our church yep. go from, and we didn't change anything. No, that we like we had been we're doing just the who same we are. thing. Yep. So we were ninety people, ninety five people. Yep. When we, uh, son, I'm working and I'm on a call. I can't talk right now. All right, love you. Four times, my son. I'm leaving this in so you can see real-time parenting on a podcast. <laughs> my son just FaceTimed me five times in a row, despite the fact that I was I kept, wondering what was happening golly, over there. My whole, Goodness. My whole seat was vibrating. Gosh. Oh. So a second longing is the longing to be big. This church watched us go from 90 people to 250 yep. in a year. Yeah. We couldn't explain the growth. No. Nope. They thought... It was Ikea lamps, coffee, and TVs, Yeah, to your point. And, I, and so I think that's the same thing. So people, you admire Andy Stanley, you admire Rick Warren, you admire, like, again, pick your guy, and you look at how they do everything, the church that they've built, and then you just seek to replicate it in hopes of, well, this will get me, like, this will get me the results I'm after. Yep. And to your point, oftentimes it doesn't. Yep. And I would argue that you should always be suspect of the ambition to be big inside yep. of you. And I've talked before about how common it is to baptize that in this desire for quote unquote kingdom impact. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, what we're really looking for is just some sort of internal validation. And that's a problem. So yep. um, we're looking at these longings uh, that drive what we build, longing to be someone else, mm -hmm. uh, longing to be big. Uh, this is another one I've seen in my own life, but the longing to fit in and be accepted sure. by like a certain type of person or a certain maybe theological tribe. Yeah. And so, um, you know, early on, the first church we planted, we were part of the Acts 29 network. Yep. And uh, Acts 29 had a lot of pastors in it that I did really admire and look up to. And what are you already laughing about? Well, I, I got to tell you, um, uh, Facebook memories uh -huh. have really reminded me 
that we were a part of the X-29 network okay. in a very like unique season of the X-29 network. Uh-huh. I know because my memories that are 10 and 11 years old yeah. from when I first started, like I figured out how to use the word gospel oh, in yeah. every, I mean, every post I had was yeah. thankful for gospel relationships right. and thankful for gospel conversations and gospel thankful meals. for a gospel meal yeah. and thankful, <laughs> thankful for this gospel movie I rented. And I yeah. just like, I mean, and you again, using and, that and, word. I don't and, think it means what you think it means. Well, exactly. And I, I feel like looking back on it, I wish that my, love of and celebration of the gospel was so rich. And I think I was doing that thing. I was, that was kind of like in the, in the, especially in the group that we ran in, in the Chicagoland area, it just seemed like every time anyone got together, like you you were just trying to see how many times you could say that word. And to your point, I'm not, I don't believe I was ever using it. Right. Right. Um, And for me, it was fueled a lot by when I, came into Acts 29, I had an immense amount of especially theological insecurity Sure, because I hadn't gone to seminary. Acts 29 does have some very, very intelligent mm-hmm. um, people in it, a lot of really good thinkers. And so I wanted to fit into that. Sure. I wanted to be accepted by that group. And so as a result, it just kind of bent me more toward um, things that were not really consistent with who I actually am. Yep. And, and I think that that is a really great way to build a church that you don't actually want to go to. Because at some point, Lord willing, you do work through that insecurity and you wake up one day and you're like, wow, I don't really like any of this. Right. And I've, I think I went through seasons where I felt like a really specific and kind of classic traditional uh, liturgy mm-hmm. was like, well, that's what the really smart people seem to be doing. Sure. And so, and I don't like that. I don't like the like spiritual aerobics in church of like stand up, sit down, everybody read this together, everyone pray this together. Pat your head and rub your belly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just, yeah. I'm not, I don't, I'm not very good at any of those things. No, no. And um, that completely neglected the way that I, the spiritual traditions in which I was raised, my own personality, all of those things, but I wanted to fit in. And so at times I did really feel this internal battle of like, we need to be more liturgical in everything that we're doing. And I love that. It's just not who I am. Well, exactly. I I mean, I think uh, what I love is is getting to see those who like that really resonates with, like do it up. Yeah. And I think, you know, in some ways it's sort of like a modern day kind of Saul's armor type thing. Yeah. And I think that there is just nothing more freeing than just being like, I don't know, like if I'm just going to go like as a shepherd boy with my sling, like that's just who I am. And to, you know, and like, and if Saul had gone, then he should have worn his armor and that was for him and that would have been right for him. Um, But I think just knowing yourself well enough to know like who you are and who you aren't and being comfortable with that. And it doesn't mean that you don't value theology if you don't do the liturgy. And it doesn't mean all of those kind of things. And I think just being comfortable letting other people think what they will and also recognizing you're probably just really narcissistic to assume that anyone's thinking about you at all. Right, totally. (laughs) Or that anyone really cares what's going on at your church as long as it's like following what the Bible says. Uh, The fact that you're not adopting their preferences is probably the last thing on their minds. And I would argue then on the other side of that, if you do have the types of friends who will only be your friend, if you bow down to and subscribe to everything that they do, then you have bad friends. Well, and there's going to be something in life that you 
just divide on. Yeah. And at some point it's going to come crashing to a halt. And so if you work really hard to amend who you are just to keep that crew, mm-hmm. um, it's at some point you're not going to be able to do it anymore. Yeah. And then what was the whole thing for? Yeah. So the last longing I think that's important to touch on because I think it defines the, the experience of almost every church plant that's ever existed mm-hmm. is you end up building what drives what you build is this longing to not be what you have experienced in the past. Mm-hmm. So it's very reactive. And I even think back, especially to Ridgeline has not been this as much, I think, because I'm older and had a lot more ministry experience and knew coming into this what I wanted it to be so it wasn't reactionary. Yeah. But Redemption, the first church we planted in 09, was very reactive mm-hmm. for me personally. <laughs> I was coming out of a church that was much more kind of atheological, uh, didn't mm-hmm. really want to provide clarity to people on where we stood on on some of the more controversial yeah. you know, issues. And so I just came out at a 10, mm-hmm. the opposite of all of that. Yeah. Like, we are going to be hyper clear about our theology, <laughs> and we are going to tell everyone what we think about every controversial thing. Mm-hmm. And I was just way too aggressive in my preaching, way too aggressive in my uh, pastoral correction, I would call it. I was going to call it pastoral care, but it wasn't really that. It was just mm-hmm. a lot of like, this is who we are, this I is gotcha. who you have to be, yeah. Yeah, that kind of thing. And that you is designed just, one of the more lengthy and thorough elder candidacy processes, I believe. Yeah, I think it's easier to become today. president. Probably. Well, especially well. based on the last four years, I think that's hundred percent true. Example. Uh, but but yes. yeah, it was just it was it was just too much. It was I mean, too much of it. I, had I was specific too much. margins and font type I had to use on the papers that yeah. I wrote Ugh. and submitted in review of the books, the many books yeah. that I had to read. Yeah, yeah. I hate that version of myself. And <laughs> I, I did too. I'd like to take this opportunity fairness. to publicly apologize <laughs> to you, to anyone else that had to experience that. I'm trying to lighten up. <laughs> but, uh, but so I think, like, we would both agree, like, it's, a, it's important to take stock yeah, of what we have experienced in the past, the positive and the God negative. God can use our pain. Yeah, What totally. others meant for evil, God can mean for right. good. But there's there's just there's a difference. I don't know. I don't know what it is. There's like this pendulum, and yep. it's important to find a way to not swing your pendulum so far to the other side that you become almost a different kind of destruction, maybe totally. than what you experienced in the pain of your past. Yep. And it it will elevate weird things because the the pain that you might have experienced could be a very minor yeah. thing in the church yep. that is important, but not even something that like people really see. Mm-hmm. And that becomes like the flag you wave and the bell yeah. you ring and the tattoos you have. And yeah. it can just create kind of a like confusing environment for the people who come and are just like, uh, it, it's sort of like, um, dating someone who's been hurt by someone else in the past. Yeah. And then, then you're responsible for that hurt that's been, and, yeah. and, and you don't understand it. I, I did that one and I was, I was pretty young. She was a bit older than me and I just was really confused at like, the frustration and angst and and upsetness all the time and did I have had nothing to do with you. I didn't do any of yeah. those things, and she wasn't uh, 
always very helpful and help even helping me understand where it came from. I mm-hmm. put it together like years later. Yeah. But I mean, I think it's a very similar type of environment you can create if you're not careful yeah. where you have these like, you know, pain points or like kind of, you know, wounds that if someone even gets near you sort of bite their head off mm-hmm. and that can really create a unique and really bizarre environment in the church. Yeah. And I think, I, I think that it can be difficult to see this, but because it, it requires some self-awareness and some honesty. And so maybe it's good to engage others. But I, I would say one way to know if you've done this is like, if you have taken these kind of secondary and tertiary issues and Ooh, they're like, hold up, yeah, yeah, yeah. You like that? Oh well, I just need, <laughs> I need to look that word up. All right. Well, you've got a couple words. Normality tertiary? is what I said. We're not sure if that one's weird. Tertiary, which tertiary. would be like a like a like a third tier. Is it kind of like pumpkin? No. Oh no. man, we had a whole conversation. So Tyler, just let's just we'll pause here for one second because this uh-huh. is worth noting. Yeah. The uh, Thanksgiving is tomorrow. Yeah, uh, and so we're gonna gonna have when we're recording this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so you you ordered a a, a pumpkin pie, mm-hmm. and you choose to um, completely ignore the way that word is spelled in all the modern phonetics. English. Yeah. yeah, and you say pumpkin. So mm-hmm. you remove. We decided today both the you you train. It's not just that you pull letters. You train. change the M to an N. Yeah. Pung, and then you get rid of the second P. Yeah, and it's a it's a it's just. Pumpkin. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a word. Good enough for dogfish head, good enough for me. Okay, good. Yeah, I think that, though, that's supposed to kind of be a joke for that beer, where it's sure. supposed to be like this sort of like rednecky uh, pronunciation that uh-huh. is actually the way you pronounce the word. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Next. Moving on. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so you take the tertiary. secondary, tertiary, like not primary issues and you make them the main thing. That's what you run up the pole, the flag you run up the pole. That's the thing that you're known for. Mm -hmm. And so like, like what would be an example? If, if every single sermon is about predestination Mm -hmm. and every conversation is about like, you've just made that. Maybe you came from like a hyper Arminian church yeah. that didn't align with your theology and you decided we are going to be the most reformed of reformed churches on the planet. Mm-hmm. It's fine to be reformed. Yeah. But when that's the only thing, the main thing that you're known for, I would argue that's a problem. Yeah. So I think trying to really look at those will help you identify whether or not you've overreacted to what your past experience has been. Yeah. So that's a bunch of stuff that informs the way that we build and what we build. And so the point of today is to talk about how do we really gain clarity surrounding the type of church we want to build. So that's what we're talking about. So what we want to give in closing is a couple of diagnostic questions Mm -hmm. to be able to think about and reflect on and probably do it maybe involve some other people in as well to, again, not just assume that you know what kind of church that you want to build. So the first question, and this will kind of be, I'm going to, I want to frame this in both the positive and the negative sense, but what makes you feel when you think about the way you do church? Yeah. um, What makes you feel alive Mm -hmm. and what causes you dread? Yeah. So what, what do you do or what have you experienced that you love, that -hmm. you look forward to? Sure. And, and then what are the things that maybe you're doing right now that you're like, every time I do this, I just, I want to die. Sure. Like, I mean, I think a good example is like, I know some pastors that like 
growing up, like loved, loved, loved just the concept and the idea of Advent uh-huh. and like the candles and the different things and all of that. That was, I have like a vague memory. I think we did that maybe one year at the church I grew up in. I have none. But in general, that, the whole like, um, you know, ordeal associated with that just doesn't like, I'm not like opposed to it. So yeah. it doesn't necessarily cause me dread, but I just know like I, I have one pastor in my mind who just like, loves yeah. Advent. Yeah. And I just don't feel that same way yeah. because that wasn't my experience. But uh, if you like proceed in conversation, it's because that was a huge deal yeah. for the church that they grew up in. Yep, totally. Yeah, no, I think that's a good example. And I think, again, like I'm framing this in terms of the extremes, but there is stuff that is in the middle as well. Like yeah. you may not dread it, but yeah. like, for instance, if you don't understand it, mm-hmm. if you couldn't explain what Advent even is, sure, you probably shouldn't even be doing it. Well, I just referred to it as the whole ordeal. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> clearly that's not what I'm leading out in that's at, right. at the moment. That's right. But as a really, matter of fact, we had or have plans to, to yeah. do that this year. Yeah. And even in the planning meeting, we talked about it. I was like, eh. Yeah. All right. Well, you'll learn this year. Cool. I can't. (laughs) I'm so excited to know more about this thing. It's great. Yeah. But like for me, I think there is a a type of small group experience that has become very normative in a a lot Mm. of church experiences that that's an example of something that I genuinely do dread. Mm -hmm. I love, I love formation of what friendship like yeah. like relationships that help me become more and more yes. like Christ. I like to talk about God with people. I like to talk about what's going on in my life with people. Yeah. I love that. But there is just, I don't know what it is about, like there's just a certain thing of like sitting in a circle and doing what is Oof. traditional small group mm-hmm. that I just like, I, and some people love it. Yeah. And that's great. I do not. You go to that house where they're burning like the apple spice candle all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah. And to cover up it's... for the like litter box, <laughs> the cat litter box in the corner. It's just like, yeah. And again, there are some people listening, some people who have uh, tried out our church and uh, feel passionately mm-hmm. another way about it. And good for you. It's great. And I got to tell you, if you do, it's unlikely this is the best place for you to be. Now, yeah. I think the thing that we enable people to, and and we have said this ad nauseum, mm-hmm. we empower people, those types of things, we have a, uh, a method for how you can kind of lead out in that. Mm-hmm. Um, it is interesting. We've yet to have a single person take us up on it. Yeah, They are interested in having one. Mm-hmm. You empower them to lead it, and you get kind of the blank look. Right, right. <laughs> and that's fine. Yeah. But I think looking at me to like, you know, tell you to be in one and to assign you to it and then to hold you accountable to do it is not something I'm going to do because I don't, I agree with you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the things that we really connect on is just um, the way that it has been traditionally done is not for us. Mm-hmm. But we have still, recognizing that some people really do love and value, we've yeah. made a way for people to do it in totally. our church. Absolutely. You and I just won't go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no chance. So yeah. so those are that's a couple of examples of just thinking through the things that you're doing and, and take your own temperature on, does this make me feel alive? Yep. For some reason, I really have found that language helpful and compelling. Um, does this give me life? Does this 
am I excited about this? Do I feel passion around this? Do I benefit from this? Or are you more on the dread end of like, I don't like this. I could never do this again and be okay and make some decisions accordingly. Uh, secondly, what are your, this is a question that I think you referenced a little bit last week and I think it's mm -hmm. worth bringing up just being honest about what are your own preferences? Yeah. What do you want to do? Yeah. Like what, what do you like mm -hmm. and not like what yeah. all the way down to like songs, sure. style of songs. What time should the service be? Yeah. Um, which, uh, church management system do you want to use? Yep. I mean, if you have any brains, you'll use brain center. <laughs> right. But, yeah. We've talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, you know, that preference you need to just yeah. like submit to. Yeah, that is a primary issue. It is. It for really you. is. Yeah. Yep. You have very little respect for anyone that uses anything other than that and people who are late. Quick story. I remember we had this uh, Trin uh, TED's student, Trinity International Divinity, yep. Yep. Divinity, Divinity uh, School. Seminary student. Yep. And. Uh, we were setting up church one day, and he said to me, he said, Tyler, he goes, I get the sense from you that you believe that in addition to, like, like salvation being, like, the free gift of grace from uh -huh. God, yeah. one of the barriers is also being on time. And I said, you understand that correctly. <laughs> and he just so kind of looked at me. In answer to how is a person made right with God, they put their faith in Jesus, and they're on time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure that I was I think that's how he that. clarified it too. And I was confident enough to be like, yes, sir. But <laughs> next, <laughs> what else? Any more questions? <laughs> yeah. In the event you were looking to make me feel silly on that, yeah. I doubled down. So, <laughs> but no, but I think, I think, and, and recognizing like all of those types of things, mm -hmm. you know, I think um, if there are, maybe you just like, the idea of a church business meeting mm -hmm. just makes you kind of want to like die. Yep. Then don't do them. Right. Uh, and if their bylaws say you have to, then work on your bylaws. Yeah. Or whatever the case might be. And I think, uh, for example, I'm not a big advocate. Like even when we had a larger staff and all of that, I hate like just staff meetings, you know, mm -hmm. these incessant staff meetings, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they're just not for me. Yeah. I don't like them. I don't think they add value because you end up spending a large portion of time talking about things that 90% of the room don't care about. Yep. The only time they care is when you're talking about their thing. Right. And then they like move on. And it's a big waste of time and payroll and all of that. And so even at the church that we led where we had a bunch of uh, employees, we had very few of those. Yep. Uh, we did some team building things, but yeah. they weren't staff meetings. And then a lot of one-on-one -on -one uh, stuff. And then one-on-one -on -one time yep. because that's what I wanted to do. Right. And I think if you're like that or uh, whether it be where, whether it comes to budgeting for your church, whether it comes to all of those types of things, there is no one way to do it. Right. And I think thinking through how do I make this the most meaningful, how do I make this the most helpful, and ensuring that your leadership team is on board with that because I think – uh, oftentimes, in, uh, through support with my XP, the reasoning I get for why we have to do X or why we have to do Y is like, I agree and that pastor agrees this is really going to be an unhelpful uh, project. Yeah. And the response is, yeah, but the elders want it. Yeah. And I think, so then have some conversation with them. Right. Help have them help you understand why do they want it right. other than just because we've always had it. Yeah. That's not a good reason. And right. so really analyze what are those things in your life mm -hmm. that you genuinely just, I, we talked about it in the last one, but dread, but just like 
what are your preferences on how those things are run? And if you really, you know, maybe every pastor you know takes Mondays off and you want to have Wednesdays off. I don't know. Go ahead. Then have Wednesdays off, yeah. you know, like be empowered and and feel like, uh, you know, as God has, you know, uh, wonderfully made you, uh, trust the fact as he has called you to lead this church, some of those things in your guts that you feel mm-hmm. um, are things that he's given you as well. Yeah. And things that you can say, you know what, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And truthfully, like we talked about last week, because everyone else can leave and you can't. Yep. And so those things that are going to like zap your will to live, that are going to end up making you want to quit, mm-hmm. just don't do them. Right. Right. And again, go back and listen to week one because we're not talking about like if your preference is to preach from the Quran every Sunday, Mm -hmm. that's different. But like when we moved to Salt Lake, I'd been preaching for well over a decade out of the English Standard Version. Yep. And we came here and um, I knew I was pastoring a group of people that had much less experience with the Bible than people I'd pastored in the past. And Mm -hmm. I believe that the ESV reads a little bit more wooden than the Christian standard Bible. Mm -hmm. So I switched because it was my preference. I had a reason for it, but I believe it read and taught more naturally than what the ESV was. Right. That's okay. I'm not, I'm not teaching a different Bible. I chose a translation that I thought was my would be preferential for myself and for the people of our church. Absolutely. And that's totally fine to do. Yep. And more people need to feel more empowered to make those kinds of decisions. Totally. So lastly, would be taking into consideration what your actual gifts are. Um, and I think this is especially if you are the type of person who has a deep admiration bordering on like an idolatry <laughs> for a particular other pastor or mm-hmm. other person. Sure. If the, that's the longing that drives you is you want to be that person. Yep. I think it's especially essential that you take stock of what your actual gifts are. Yep. Like I, I think I remember being in Acts 29 and doing a church planter assessment. I think it was one of the first that I did. And so I was still like in my like pretty fired up and pretty aggressive phase. But I remember sitting with this other young guy who was about the same age that I was at the time. And he was being asked to come to uh, basically replant these two churches as one that had both fallen apart. Mm. So it's already like a super messy situation. (laughs) Yep. Sounds like a dream. And he said, what they told me they want is they want someone who is a combination of Tim Keller and Mark Driscoll as a teacher. That's wow. that's and that's why they wanted him. Hmm. And so I told him, "Well, I listened to the sermon that you submitted and you're neither." So this is probably not going to go great for you. <laughs> and, you're uh, probably his best friend. Aren't you? Yeah. We haven't talked in a minute. Yeah. Um and I probably should have been a little bit more tactful about that. However, it's true. Yeah. Like you're not either one of those people. Right. And it's if that's the if that's the desire and the aspiration of this group that's bringing you in, that's not going to go great because that's sure. not who you are. Sure. And I think that's a really important thing and and that God made you the way he made you for a reason. Absolutely. And there are people that God wants to reach through you that he's not going to reach through whatever other person you're trying to be. Totally. And so 100%. really settling into your gifts. And I think depending on your particular degree of self-awareness, it's probably really important that you ask some other people in your life to yeah. speak into what are my actual gifts. And totally. I would argue the less you think it's necessary to ask other people, the more you probably need to. Sure. Because that's a sign of 
very little totally. self-awareness. Yeah, and I think don't get caught up and don't spend a lot of time and resources and energy, whether it be your own time, resources, and energy, or someone else's fabricating things that aren't helpful. So mm -hmm. for example, um, not every, you know, I know one of the things I see sometimes, whether it be from some of those like big name preachers are these like clips of, uh, you know, teaching, like kinda, teaching yeah, clips, yeah, yeah. sermon clips. And they're always like, like on Instagram this, or something like, perfectly cut up thing and all of that. I know having been on the end of having to like come up with those, that's a lot of work. Yeah. It's a lot of energy to find the right one, to cut it out, to make sure it's there and all of that. And the truth is like, how, like, what does that do for you? How does that move the ball down the field? How does that, I, I will say, um, I can't fathom seeing a 30 second clip from someone and being like, I'm going to go to their church and give yeah. them $1 million. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know. I'm not saying that's the motivation from everyone. Yeah. But I do think uh, recognizing what is the best kind of investment of time and energy and not doing some of those things that just don't matter. Yeah. And, and again, are uh, possibly, if you really analyze your own heart, are set up to like come off like someone else, are set up to uh, grow uh, outside of maybe what God's entrusted you with, are set yeah. up all of those types of things. And I, that's just one small example, but I think that there are countless examples no, that can that's be a, given. I think that's, a, that's an important one, though, because I do think the assumption is, well, that person does it, so I'm going to do it too, because right. I want to be like that person or yeah. have that person's fruit. And what it doesn't take into consideration is, number one, like, am I compelling? Sure. Is, do I have something that is insightful to say? Yep. And you can say things that are true yep. and good, but it's not very insightful. Totally. And that's okay. Yeah. Like there are, I would argue that there's actually far less genuinely insightful people <laughs> than not. Sure. Um, and that doesn't mean that you're a bad pastor or that you're a bad leader. It does mean the world doesn't necessarily need to hear your 30 second like Instagram clip totally. saying the same thing that's been said before. I also think like you're not taking into consideration the production value and the sometimes millions of dollars that have been invested to make these shots, these scenes look good, sound good. It's all way more difficult. So yeah. you're like, you're, and the entire team of people getting paid full time at that guy's to do church that. to do right. it. Yeah. And so like your like kind of dark lit basement video <laughs> <laughs> that you're putting out thinking like this is going to be the game changer. Yeah. It could actually, I would argue, it could actually be hurting you. Totally. That someone sees and they're like, this is not interesting or sure. this does not look good. And it's all driven by this attempt to be someone or accomplish something different than who God's made you and what God's called you to actually accomplish. Sure. I, I'll give you an example um, of something that I was uh, guilty of. So, uh, with Ridgeline, uh -huh. as we first planted, we had done some Facebook videos and they were mm -hmm. kind of minute long clips. Uh, you kind of talking about like little vision uh, a things, need, yep. uh, vision thing, you know, trying to like, you know, solve a problem that people might be feeling sort of a felt need type deal. And, um, and they had done real well for us. Yeah. And so I had some churches that we were supporting. This was a few years ago. Uh, wonder about what were we doing. And yeah. I had taken some courses. I understand how to craft a Facebook video, all of that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, how the algorithms right? work, all exactly. that stuff. Exactly, yep. all, all of that. And so... Um, you know, some people had asked, and so I'd said, I'd given some examples of ones you'd done, and I'd said, you know, it's really important that you do it 
like you, but and for your church, but this is some things that you know this people have connected with yeah. and blah blah blah, right? Uh, and I had one particular pastor who uh, recorded a video and fit within the less than a minute, fit yep. within, and um, he and I together agreed. It was one of the more boring things that yeah. either of us had ever. I mean, it was rough. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't good at all. Yeah. And we both decided, <laughs> I mean, just wasn't at all. And, and it's because, like, it, it, it's not even an indictment on his ability to, like, publicly speak no. or his ability as a preacher. But, you know, shooting a 60-second clip, you know, he's a preacher. Saying who, something of substance that connects in an emotional way with people mm-hmm. inside of 60 seconds is extremely difficult. Absolutely. And so as a result, even though like time and energy went into it, we yeah. decided not to invest the church's resources into promoting it. Yeah. Because to your point, I think it would have been, um, it w- and I think that was an example of, I looked at like what had worked for us. I had recommended it for someone else. And truthfully, I think if we would have, he and I would have talked more uh, thoroughly about the tactic and about like his gift set and how he was going to do it and all of that, um, I don't think we would have landed on that as an option. And so yeah. we came up with some other options to get the church's name out of there, out there that were a lot more effective. They did some community involvement things mm-hmm. and were able to get their name on some flyers and that type of thing. Yep. And that really helped them. Right. And so I think that just because it works for one and just because one person, and again, it's not that you're better than him or greater than him or anything like that. It's different. Yeah. Uh, we talked about that last week. It, it doesn't have to be better or worse. It's just different. Right. And I think different tactics and different energies should be put behind different gift sets. Yeah. Um, and so I think that those are the types of things that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I do think one of the important values that I wish would be more common today would be difference yeah. and diversity. Yeah. I think that's one of the, one of the beautiful things about the, like, I guess, broadly speaking, the Protestant church is that there is so much diversity and that we're not all the same. We don't look the same. We don't practice the same. And that there is, and then that's good that we see that in the New Testament, that the churches that are written to in the New Testament, the churches that are planted in the New Testament are not all the same. Right. They're made up of very different types of people in very different places, and they're different. Sure. And that's good. And so we do the work to figure out what is a biblical church, and then how do we build one that is an expression of that within the unique gift set and personality that God has given us. Totally. So next week, we're going to be back with uh, another episode, and we're going to spend some time talking about uh, how do we actually help other people as we get clarity on the church Mm -hmm. that we want to build. How do we how do we help other people gain clarity regarding yep. the church that we are? Every single person who comes to your church comes with an expectation and a vision of what your church mm-hmm. could or should be. So how do we convey what it actually is and uh, and lead effectively through that? So until then, uh, happy Thanksgiving. If you get to hear this before the holiday, uh, have fun celebrating alone <laughs> at home, just you and a turkey. Or in your big, huge gathering that's going to cause there to be a super spread of COVID in your community. Thanks, friend. (laughs) So thanks for listening. If you want to stay connected to us, you can find me on Instagram at at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. And at Tyler Dravitz at Tyler D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Bye-bye.